In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to help your kids make those friends. You know, those friends you really want them to have, those friends you're hoping and praying they find, and then also how to resolve the conflicts that all the, these stinking friends have with each other. So um, we really think it'll be helpful for you today. Welcome to the Art of Raising Humans. Hello, and welcome to episode 52 of the Art of Raising Humans. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sarah. Today, we want to talk about how to help your kids make friends and what to do, like how to help them navigate when they have conflicts with those friends. Um, this is a this is a topic I think almost every parent is interested in. You know, lots of parents that we we meet, I think it's their heart for every one of them to have their kids have good friends. Yes, I would agree. I think we all we do somewhere and somehow understand that friendships are important, and so we want to cultivate that in our children's lives. Yeah, and before we jump into that, I would like to encourage you to definitely continue reaching out to us and share comments. We'd love for you to comment on the podcast, rate it, give us a five star review. That would be awesome. And um, we'd love to hear topics that you have that you're interested in. I mean, we use these topics. Um, a lot of the topics we come from our actual real parents that we just discuss and talk with um, on a daily basis, but also in session with people and helping them coach them in parenting. Um, but we'd love to hear from you wherever you at throughout the world. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And uh, we just think this is such a big thing, especially Sarah coming out of this time of COVID and a lot of you mm -hmm. know, people being separated, you know, from yeah. their friends and yeah. isolated from them. And you see a lot of kids, um, teenagers and even younger, you know, really struggling with, it's like they missed a couple years of how to make friends. I know. No, I've heard that. I've thought it even in our kids' own lives. Mm -hmm. and, and I've heard it from other parents. More people are kind of thinking, huh, I think this COVID thing, and we're sort of seeing yeah. a little bit of a struggle socially yeah. from, from just all that that brought about. Yeah. I mean, really limited or stunted or, you know, had kind of an arrested development of sorts on how to do that and all those kind of interactions. I mean, to some extent, I think it may be limited conflict, which at times some parents are like, oh, that was kind of nice. Because yeah. maybe before COVID, they were having all these problems with these friends and then they couldn't spend time with those friends and all those problems. Mm -hmm. So there was, I heard some comments along that line, yeah. but inevitably. That's a fresh start. Yes. And yeah. then, but then they go back to school and they go back to these like, oh, wait. And maybe, maybe they, it, maybe they don't have those same conflicts, but there's a whole new set of conflicts on, on, on how to do that. So I guess my question to you is, Sarah, why do you think having friends is so important to kids socially, to their neurological development? Why is that important? Well, I mean, they even studies show that we are healthier people when we have a social circle. So there's something in us biologically that needs community. Mm -hmm. We weren't really made or we're not designed to live in isolation. So we need each other. We need people. We need those relationships. Would you go so far as to say friends are vital and crucial to human beings? <laughs> I guess personally I would. I mean, I think, <laughs> I don't know if the study said vital and crucial, but it said, you know, I think you have a longer lifespan yeah. if you have friendships mm -hmm. and a community. So that feels pretty vital. I think it's funny how noncommittal you are to that. Because <laughs> I'm completely committed to that. I think friends are vital and crucial. And here's why. Because I think we are social creatures and I don't think we're meant to do life alone. And what I have noticed with people, when they have good friendships, a good support system, no matter what life throws at them, no matter what the weight is, they can hold it up better and longer because of those friends. Well, that reminds me of that study. I think we've mentioned it before. 
but where they had the people sticking their feet in mm -hmm, ice, mm -hmm, in ice yep. water. Mm -hmm. And when somebody was with them, they could keep their feet in the ice water twice as long, mm -hmm, I believe. Mm -hmm. I might mess that up. At least twice as long. Yeah, yeah, at least twice as long. If yep. just somebody was there. And I know they've done other studies similar. They've repeated yep. that in other ways where people are in pain. And if they're with somebody, the amount of pain they can handle is, is just much yes. greater. So. Yeah. So you take that to just any time we're suffering in life, and sadly, life does have those suffering moments. Yeah. How much just having community with you when you're suffering changes things for you, changes yeah. the outcome and the trajectory of your life. The other example I like to use with kids, Sarah, is just uh, is weightlifting. You know, if you're like bench pressing, and and you can um, in bench pressing, you can lift a lot of weight. But there is this fear as you're lifting that weight that that bench press, that weight will crush you, you know, because mm -hmm. if you get too much weight and you can't lift in those times where I've been bench pressing and I'm trying to lift it up and you start to get scared, like, uh oh, I think I put too much weight on this or I've lifted this one too many times. Like that last rep seemed easy. Now this one seems really hard. And if you have someone behind you and I'm, I'm sure, you, you know, most of the listeners have done this, just spotting you. Typically, it's funny. They just have like a couple of fingers. You know, lots of people don't even use their hand. They just put a couple mm -hmm. fingers there and they're not even pushing at the bar with their couple of fingers. It's the idea that you are there with me as I'm pushing the weight. And then magically, I can lift the weight, you know, because the fear goes away. I'm no longer going to be crushed because I have mm -hmm. someone else here with me. So that, that's why I see when I'm when I'm in session with with kids and especially teenagers or around those late elementary years, friends seem crucial and vital to their <laughs> mental health yes. um, because, I mean, they are social creatures. And what I mean by that is they're looking around to understand themselves and they're going, who is with me? And who I'm with says something about me, you know? And I, 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 there's another guy, a monk, a Catholic monk named Thomas Merton. He says, we only come to know who we are in the context of others. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what friends do too. They, they help me understand myself in ways I could never understand myself. Like literally, like I can't see myself. I'm not walking around in a mirror all the time. So friends see you, you know, they say, Hey, your hair looks cool today. And I'm like, sweet. My hair looks cool today. Or like, I like that shirt. Okay. I'll wear that shirt again. It seems like it's good. I, I mean, this, sounds dumb. I remember as a high schooler, I used to put a lot of hairspray back in the 80s, I, you know, early 90s. I put a lot of hairspray and, and, and stuff to make my hair like super hard and it can't be moved. And I thought, once I got it, I want to stick it there. And I thought that haircut looked good. And then one day I had a friend like rub my hair. He was being silly and like messed up my hair. I was so mad that he messed up my hair. And the rest of the day, I got more compliments on my hair <laughs> that day <laughs> than any other day. And that actually changed. It sounds silly. That changed my life. Like yeah, I used yeah. to live in this fear of like, I needed the hair to look perfect. And also I actually didn't need the hair to look perfect. And all of a sudden people liked it. And so from then on, I started doing my hair completely different. And it was such a helpful thing that came from the friends giving me that feedback, you know? Yeah. So I, I think friendships are vital. I love that one thing you were sharing with Abby and me about the study about friends and them being around you. Could you share more about that? Yeah, the, the, the five people that you spend the most time with in your life will show who you are. Mm -hmm. So the amount of influence they have. So whoever you're around, yeah. look, look, if you want to know who you are, what the trajectory is for your life, look at the five people you're spending time with. Yeah. So I think we've, I, it reminded me of the actually stories you've told from high school days where you... Mm. 
got um i might mess it up a little bit but yeah. you started hanging out with these people who are in yep. ap classes yep. Yep. and really cared about school and education yeah. and how that influenced you yeah. and so i think that's that's uh just a it's real short example sure. of if I'm around people who are really kind and yeah. really interested in school or horses, then I'm probably going to go in that direction. Yeah. If I'm hanging around people who are angry and maybe they're, you know, they don't care and they're, you know, all the way down to getting into drugs or something, that's probably the path I'm headed down. So it was um, actually just recommending to teenagers, but all of us to look yeah. around to the five people we're spending time yeah. with and it'll give you an idea of where you're headed in life. Yeah. Well, and I remember that, Sarah, you know, in, in sixth grade, I had these friends who I would say they were good friends, but by sixth grade, they were already smoking cigarettes and you know, they didn't like school. They thought school was stupid. And so by sixth grade, I, I wasn't smoking cigarettes with them, but I, I did agree with them. School was stupid. So my grades weren't that good in sixth grade. And then I remember in seventh grade, I made a shift. I decided I wanted a different set of friends. And so I'd known some friends from elementary school that I was never friends with, but I thought they seemed like quality people. And so I went over and literally just said, hey, could I be your guys' friends? <laughs> I just went up and said that. And they were like, sure, yeah, come on. We know you from elementary school. And all of these guys were all in uh, gifted classes and all honors classes. And within about a few months, teachers were saying, Kyle, are you in the gifted program? And I was like, no. And they said, you should take a test on that. And no one had ever asked me to do that. And then I, I took yeah. a test. I passed it. And all of a sudden, bam, I was in the gifted program and I was taking honors classes. And I was like, school was cool. School was fun. Like when I was with these guys, we talked about all the challenges of school and all the ways we wanted to get A's and get better grades. And also my grades went up, you know? And then of course there, there is studies to show that, that you can look around also at what your, your, your child's friends, what kind of grades they're making. And typically it's going to mirror what your kids' grades are going to be, you know, because yeah. we tend to, if you're around these people, if they think school is fun and exciting and they're challenging, then you're going to talk about that. You're going to do that stuff. You're going to think homework, you're not going to always like it, but you're going to be like, let's get, let's get it done. You know, I remember right. we, we had so much fun. I mean, in, in that group, even there was like this assignment to take a Jane Eyre's book. Um, oh, no, the Charlotte Bronte's book, Jane Eyre. We didn't like the book that much. We thought it was boring and we had to do an assignment on because my friends liked school. We didn't just grumble about that assignment. Instead of doing the assignment the way the teacher wanted to, we all use our collective kind of creativity and we did the assignment in a new way. And the teacher was like, go do it, run with that. And it was in the past, those other friends would have been like, let's just get this dumb assignment over with. And we would have done just like a halfway effort, gotten a bad grade. So mm -hmm. those friends did completely change how I saw those things. Well, I remember times where it, I had friends who it, everyone, we were kind of competing for the best grade and or making study groups. And so those similar values if I had a bunch of friends who were like, oh, that's not, we don't, yeah. we, you know, and I, I had times in life where it was like that, but other times where it was, oh no, let's get together and let's study, let's do this. So you're each pushing each other towards that. Yeah. So just even well, not intentionally, yeah. but just be aware of it. Well, and I, I love that you pointed out too, now that I look back as you're saying that, then, then what I started doing in the seventh grade and those friends, and I didn't necessarily stay friends with them all through high school, it switched throughout the, you know, the, the ninth grade, 10th grade, stuff like that. But once we got to college, once I got to college, I had this template of of what kind of friends I wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, I, yeah. I saw what kind of friends were good friends and which ones weren't. So then when I made friends in college, I made these amazing friends that it's been, you know, more than tw you know, 22, 23 years since we became friends. And we're still friends today. Mm -hmm. And and they, they mean everything to me, but it was because I kind of fine tuned what kind of friend I wanted over those years. You know? Yeah.
And so, so I guess one of the questions I would ask any of our listeners who are saying, man, I want friends for my kids. I want them to be able to have these deep relationships that Kyle and Sarah are talking about. My question would be to you is, do you have those type of friends? Mm. You know, do you have positive and healthy friendships with other adults? Because we know modeling is the most powerful teacher. So if you have these kind of friends, then the kids are going to look at them and see that. But if you don't, if, if they're not seeing you interact, you know, if dad's not out with, with some friends and, and, and they seem to be making a positive impact on his life or mom's not doing that, then how are they going to do that in their own life, right? So, so I think a big part of this, this answer is I need to reflect upon what I'm doing with friends. Am I pursuing these deep, meaningful yeah, friendships? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, are you sitting around, your kids are watching, even if they don't seem to be watching, you know, the conversations you're having with your friends, what are you doing with your friends? What are those activities that they, that your kids see that that's, oh, that's what friendship is. Yes. Oh, that's what friendship yeah. is. Yeah. They're watching. They hear you on your phone calls. Yeah. What's, what, what's the content of your phone calls that your yeah. kids are overhearing? And I, I think we want to look at that and go, okay, you know, what five people am I surrounding myself with? Yeah. That's a model to my children. Well, and they even see you work out really important conflicts with your friends. Like maybe your friend is a Texas fan and you're an Oklahoma fan, right? right. And they see those you get into these deep, deep issues and they see how you guys can argue and work through that but seriously they do see that they, they do, do like i think that's a big part of they our pay attention way more than we realize yes our kids have heard about conflicts we've had with friends that they, they've yeah. seen how we deal with those conflicts so therefore it gives this sense of connection to them when they're going through theirs you know mm -hmm. and i would say if you're listening to this i think a lot of people listening to this I think the majority of people listening to this are struggling in this area to make deep friendships that are healthy and positive in their life. It, it's hard. We have a lot of people in and out of our lives um, actually forming friendships. I, I don't, a society generally, it's hard to do, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. We're all running the race and it's yeah. hard to. Well, especially in this in. kind of social media world where we're kind of more disconnected than ever. Um, and so I, my thought as I was writing this out was just to encourage people, if you struggle in this area of making friends, if you're longing for more deeper friendships and then you see your kid longing for the same thing, is I would just be honest with them. Like I would join them on this journey. I think it'd be great if, if you don't have the kind of friendships you want to model to your kid to pursue those type of friendships and tell your kid about it. You mm -hmm. know, like I'm going to go do this. This is how I'm going to do it. I mean, that would be really, I think, empowering for the kid to see you do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I think in that, I think some cool questions to ask with the kid, if you take on that journey, is to have conversations. What kind of friends do you want? You know, what are the qualities you're looking for? You know, the goal in making friendships isn't one that just happens by chance. Now, some people do luck into it. Some people do just, it seems like good friends just fall in their lap. <laughs> but that hasn't been my experience. Has that been yours? No, no, maybe a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> now, you did have some roommates that kind of fell in your lap, they, they right? Did, yeah. But, that's, but that's I, I know my best friends that I made in college, once again, this is very similar to the seventh grade. You sought them out. I went after them and I yeah. said, I want to be your guys' friend. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are cool guys. I, and thank goodness they were like, cool, yes. But I thought, hey, if I never ask, I'll never know. So, I mean, I, I actually encourage teenagers to do that. I'm like, look around. Like when you go to school, look around at who you think would be a great friend. I think it's just putting yourself in position. 
yeah. to mm-hmm. be, you know, be places where there's great people mm-hmm. that you want to be friends with mm-hmm. and strike up conversations, join those clubs, mm-hmm. do those organizations, whatever it might be. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah. have to yeah. be out there yes. to find the people. And even then it's hard. Yeah. But you you have to know what you're looking for. Yeah. And that's what you're helping your that's what you want your kids, even at a young age. You know, what are you looking for in a friend? Yeah. What makes a good friend? What do you you know, what do you like to do? Okay, let's go find yeah. people like that. Well, it's something else I like to tell kids, too, um, Sarah, along that line, especially teenagers who are really in my office and really sad about, you know, not having the friends they want, mm-hmm. is uh, there needs to also be this sense of trust, the sense of faith that may- maybe the reason why I want these friends and the reason why I, I feel sad that I don't have them is because they're out there. And I'm, I'm meant to have them. You know, mm-hmm. I think that longing and desire for that friendship is the biggest thing, you know, mm-hmm. that once I have that, then I can go, oh, man, it's almost like I'm hungry. So there's food to eat. <laughs> so I go do that. Right. And even though it may be hard to go get that food or cook that food, I can still do it. You know, that the, the just even the longing for it, I think is such a positive thing. You know, it seems yeah. like some kids wish it would just go away and they wouldn't want it. I'm like, no, you don't want that. Like, I know it hurts to want it, but the fact that you want it tells me there's a need that I believe can be fulfilled. It's going to be the motivator for the parent to to find those friends and for the kid to find those friends is the desire to have those kind of friends. Mm -hmm. That That's going to be when it's difficult. That's going to push you through to keep pursuing them and eventually find them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it'd be good to sit down with the kid and just say man, what kind of friends do you want? What's some qualities you want in a friend? What does it look like? What's some friends you've had in the past that you think were cool? When you see certain people, because I think a lot of times the lie is, I'm the only one who doesn't have these friends and everybody else does. And that's just not true. Yeah. You know? And I know with Instagram and Facebook and you know, Snapchat and all these kind of things that kids are on, it's very easy for them to believe they're the only one who doesn't have these deep friends. Well, and we know that you can be around, people can be around a lot of people laughing talking around a lot of people and feel very lonely Mm -hmm. even in a crowd yeah so i I think that's also a friendship it's different than just being around people exactly yeah and and i think lots of times i'll tell the kids too i think the thing that you're sad about is you just wouldn't be satisfied with that i mean you want something Mm -hmm. deeper and Mm -hmm. so these other kids are just saying i'm satisfied with that that's that's as far as they want to be known at that point yeah you want to be known in a deeper more meaningful way and i say pursue that don't settle for the other you know but once again i'd love for the parent to hand in hand do that with the kid to like understand this is the long game you know i mean like finding these kind of friends it's like gold you know it's they're like diamonds in the rough i mean you got to pursue them you got to dig deep for those things they're not just going to happen to you you know, so you've got to intentionally do it. But once again, when you're doing it on your own, it can seem overwhelming. But when you're doing it with your parent, it can seem like, oh, cool, this is a journey we're both on. And then you get to celebrate stuff, you know, like yeah. the parent goes out with a friend, comes back and like, oh, no, this person I think will be a great friend. I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask him to go do this later. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And they get to like cheer you on as you're making friends. Mm-hmm. They get to cheer you on. It's kind of a cool, cool thing. So if we can switch a little bit, once once we have friends, that it's great to have friends, but then there's conflict with friends. So I, I think that can be a real challenge for parents too. Maybe the kids do have friends, but then there's all these conflicts constantly happening and that creates a lot of issues in the family because the the, the, the parent 
doesn't know how to help the kid navigate that, you know? Yeah. So, so how do you do that? What's, what's your thought when the kids have conflict with friends? Well, I think it's important just to realize that relationships, as you actually get to know people more, conflict is really, really natural. It's going to be a part of your of your friendships, mm-hmm. your, your children's friendships. And so part of that's just normalizing. Oh, yeah, conflict happens. You know, it's not this, oh, no, the friendship's over. That's yeah. it. And You guys aren't happy all the time? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So so part of it's just like, hey, you know, conflict happens. So you're saying Let's, normalize it. Yes. Yeah, so normalize conflict. Not only does conflict happen, but if you actually want to be a good friend to somebody, conflict has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Why? It's that yeah. deeper thing you yeah. go to, to know that. We're not always going to agree on everything, mm-hmm. and we can navigate that. Yes. We can know each other deeper mm-hmm. and accept each other. And it's it's a forward movement in a yeah. relationship when you can have a conflict and and move forward. I would almost be concerned if there was never a conflict, you know, because yeah. the, the very essence of getting close to each other, you know, getting to know each other is you're not the same people. You're going to have different opinions. Mm-hmm. You're going to have different ways. Of, so there's going to be conflict. I can't think of one friend. I haven't had conflict with. And some of the deepest friends are ones I had a lot of conflict initially with because we both kind of saw things so differently. But now I see those differences as the strength of the friendship. You know, I really seek out their advice because of the conflict that we used to have because I know they don't see it the same way as I do. And I don't want everything just parroted back to me. So I think helping the kid normalize the conflict, but then also what is the goal of conflict? The goal of conflict? Yeah, what's the goal of conflict? To be known and understand someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say to get closer. Yeah. Right. That's the goal of it. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Is that. So as you get closer to somebody, there's going to be friction. And the only way to get closer and more intimate with a friend, get closer is to have conflict. Otherwise, if the conflict will isolate us, and we've done a whole separate podcast about that, you should go listen to it, (laughs) about (laughs) conflict leading to either intimacy or isolation. So if you can help the kid normalize it, understand the point in it, that it's really up to the kid if they want it to be an opportunity to move closer or if it's going to be an opportunity to push them further away. So what's some ways, though, to help them work through that conflict? Uh, listen to that podcast so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I mean, just listen to them about the conflict. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. just, and again, goes back to even that po- the one we did just before this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, just really, really listen to and fi- really understand to help them understand what it is. And then I think working on those conflict resolution skills. Yeah, I love that. And the, one of the ways to do is to act it out. I like yeah. acting out. So I, I think what helped me a lot as a kid is my parents. Sometimes I would come home and you know, say a kid did this or that to me and my parents would be like, well, okay, do you want some help with that? Sure. And then we would act it out. Like, I mean, sometimes it'd be a little acting out, but typically it would be like, they would tell me, go practice saying this. So next time that kid says that, practice saying this to them. And I I remember that really helping. I would actually literally go into the mirror and like practice saying it to them because I wanted to see how it felt to say that. And it kind of empowered me to mm-hmm. not be caught by surprise by the conflict, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think acting it out, and I think that also helps the kid see that there is a different possible outcome to that, you know? How it doesn't have to end the way it ended. It yeah. could end a different way. Yeah. And so when you act it out, it then gives the kid like this different picture. Oh, oh, I could have said that, or I could have done that. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why they didn't is because in that moment, they were they were shocked by the conflict. They, mm-hmm. or they got, or they, they basically got caught up into a dance that tends to happen where they tend to you know respond you do this i do that you do that and and when they get really insecure and afraid of losing the friendship you know so i i think like you said the word i would use there that you kind of talk about was understanding through empathy you know Mm -hmm. wanting to empathize with the kid and their struggles 
rather than trying to change it and fix it. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think uh, sometimes we, as parents, especially when kids are younger, we want to come in and fix it for them. And and there's there's times to come in, especially with little kids. Yeah. But the goal is to be handing those skills to your child to go and into the relationship themselves and fix it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you said, like, the role play. Let's yeah. just practice this. Let's practice... You know, with your little kid, when so-and-so takes your toy away and you don't like it, yeah. this is what you can do. Let's practice right now with your teenager. When your friend says this to you and it hurts your feelings, this is what you can do. Yeah. And let's let's practice it here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of in wrapping up, if, if you're really wanting your kids to have these friendships and your kids, no, no matter what age they are, I mean, I think it definitely by like... You know, second, third, fourth kids, like they, they want to have friends. They want to hang out with these people. And once again, I think it's vital and essential right. to like <laughs> their survival to have these. They need to have their pack. They need to know who yeah. they belong to, we right? People. We need community. Yeah, exactly. You need that around you to help with all of life's hardships that are going to come your way, but also to celebrate all of life's joys too, yeah. right? It's fantastic. So in doing that first, I would reflect as a parent on what kind of friends do I have? How am I modeling friendship to my kids? Um, I, I like what you said about being intentional about putting yourself in the space as an adult to make those friends, but also helping your kid have that, having yeah. doing the play dates, right? Mm-hmm. And and not in the play dates, not like sitting back talking to the other parent and just letting them go off, right? Being intentional about how those interactions are going. Not that you got to be a helicopter parent and buzzing around the whole time, mm-hmm. but you are around. You are making it more likely that this encounter will be a successful one, right? Yes. And so, so if you if you know that there in the past has been some conflicts there. Make your presence felt. Be around there so you can help yeah. guide it's some of that sort stuff. of helping set it up for success. Yeah. You can't always make it happen, but you can do things to support the successful yes. yeah. relationship. Yeah. And, and then when there is conflict, empathize with them. Seek to understand. Help the child to understand like themselves about how they feel about the conflict. And then if they're open and receptive then to it then say, hey, I've got some ideas. Let's try to act this out or let's try this. Would this work, you know? And then then just see this is the long game. You're playing the long game. That these friendships typically aren't going to be their friends forever. You know, mm-hmm. these are going to be friends they're basically practicing on. So they're practicing on and, and learning how to resolve conflict, um, how to really um, fine tune the kind of people they want forming and shaping them for their lives. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I would say if you kept that kind of mindset and helped the kid do that, normalize these conflicts, then I think there's a lot less fear about it. You know, that yeah. is somehow if this friendship doesn't work out, then life is over. You know, right. there's many, many friends out there. There are, yeah. there are. And a lot of times maybe someone's friend for a season a time and then they move or things happen and we shift and change. And so, yeah, I, I want to just in that wrap up, just remind you that something Sarah and I do is we help kids with these kind of issues, help parents with this stuff. So feel free to go to parentinglegacy.com if you felt like you wanted some coaching in this area um, or your kid needed some coaching in this area. So you can go there. You can always schedule a session with us and feel free once again to share this with people who you think really are struggling with how to navigate this stuff, the friendships, the conflict with friends. And uh, we just really appreciate your time listening to the podcast. So we hope you have a great day. The Art of Raising Humans podcast should not be considered or used as counseling, but for educational purposes only.